All right. Well, listen, I am, again, really grateful you're here, thankful that you have come. We are working our way in, uh, in our study in the book of Genesis, and today we're going to finish talking about Jacob, and then we'll spend the next several weeks talking about Joseph and finishing out that account. I want to begin uh, with this little reminder to you. Uh, as we get underway today, and that is this. Uh, every year uh, when their training camp got together, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers used to pull out one of these and hold it up, and what did he say? Gentlemen, this is a football. Now, they are professional football players, and yet every year he would begin with, this is a football because he understood the significance of getting back to basics, making sure that you didn't uh, neglect the stuff that was the fundamental parts of the game. As we finish the account of Jacob today, I want to take an opportunity for us to do that and to kind of watch as Jacob did that, and God brought him back to where he had first done business with God. I think it's really significant that as Jacob leaves, now some 20 years after he had left Canaan, he went back to Paden Aram, and now some 20 years later as he's preparing to go back into the land of Canaan, to receive the inheritance that had been given to his grandfather and then his father from God, that God brings him back to a point of getting back to square one again. And I think it's desperately important that we do that. Everybody needs to remember the basics. These guys don't just show up and sing and play like this. They practice, and they've all practiced for years. And though they all have done that, they still show up Thursday nights as a rule. There was traffic issues in Gloucester Thursday night. So anyway, this week was different. But normally they are here on Thursday evenings and they practice for a couple hours and they show up well before most everybody else on Sunday mornings and they practice some more so that when they show up here in a service, they can play and sing to the glory of God with excellence. And we all do that in all of our various things that we do, right? We go to work, we continue on with training. Our employers want us to constantly be improving ourselves to get better, but sometimes the improvement comes from going back and remembering kind of the essentials. And that's where I think Jacob is today. He's going back to basics. So I want to start with a question, and I'm in Genesis chapter 35, and I want to uh, talk about the importance of spiritual renewal. It's so essential to us. We need to constantly be willing to go back and have that. So the question begs to be asked, why do we need spiritual renewal? Let me read for you the first four verses, and I want to draw a couple of thoughts out of here for you. Genesis 35, beginning in verse 1. God said to Jacob, Arise, Go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress 
and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Why do we need spiritual renewal? I think, first of all, because our memories are short. Now, it had been quite some time for Jacob. It had been a long time since he left, but he reminds him, I want you to go back to Bethel. You remember where Bethel was, right? Bethel was the place where he stopped for the night after he had left Paden Aram, and he went back there, not went back there, but he, he stopped there the first night. And he's there by himself. He's there all alone. He's there with his staff. He has nothing. He doesn't even have a, anything soft to lay his head on. So he grabs a stone and lays his head on that and has this dream of the angels ascending and descending and so on. And he says, when he awakens from that, surely the presence of God was here and I didn't know it. And he names the place Bethel, the house of God. Now God says, I want you to go back there where we first dealt with each other, where I first revealed myself to you. That was 20 years ago. And it's when he was running from his brother. It's when he was running away because he was afraid, because Esau had said, I'm going to kill him. I am not going to let this stand. He's not going to make it through this next week. And he ran away. God knew Jacob needed to return to the place of his encounter with God before he was ready to take his place in history. We need spiritual renewal because our memories are short. Do you find that to be true for you? Do you find that to be something that you struggle with, that, that you kind of get in the zone and you get living life and doing your thing and you kind of forget what it was like when you first had this, this new found uh, relationship with God and you were passionate about the things of Christ and Man, you just couldn't wait to get to church, and you wanted to read the Bible, and it's just kind of gotten a little soft since then because it's become just kind of part of what you do. Our memories are short about what it was like when we first met God. Secondly, because our tendency is to drift. There were foreign gods in the household. Back in chapter 31, you may recall the story from a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, that when they left, when they quickly kind of got out of town, got out of Dodge with all of the family and all the kids and all the flocks and herds, they were gone three days before Laban realized it. But one of the things that happened when they left was Rachel, Jacob's wife, favored wife, had taken household gods from out of there and was hoping in some form or fashion to depend on them for blessing and for uh, help and success and whatever other reason she may have wanted to take them. But she took the household gods and they've just kind of been there on the trip, kind of hanging out in all of the belongings. And Jacob says to them, I need you to take those things and put them away. Get rid of the foreign gods our tendency is to drift. Our tendency is to trust in things that are not worthy of our trust. Our tendency is to trust in things that we, uh, we want to focus our attention on. We're going to come back around to that in just a minute. But all of this stuff had infiltrated their family. 
My concern is that we, like the, the Ephesian church, tend to lose our first love. Revelation chapter 2, I'm going to back up and start reading in verse 2. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Those are all really good things that this this angel says, that God says to this church in Ephesus, you guys are standing strong, you're not giving in, you're, you're, you're sound and you're solid doctrinally, but I have one thing against you, he says in verse 4. You have abandoned the love you had at first. There was something about the passion of those people, the love for Christ that had waned in all of the, we're not going to put up with doctrinal deviation. We're not going to, they were, they were rigid and had lost their love. We have a tendency to drift. We need spiritual renewal because sometimes our situation changes. Our situation changes sometimes with our finances. Now in Jacob's case, they had changed in a positive way. In Jacob's case, he left and he talks in chapter 32 about how he had left with just his staff. That's all he had. He had really nothing. And God had grown his wealth till now. He had all the flocks and herds and he had uh, children and family and all of these servants that were with him. He had all of this stuff that were the, the trappings of wealth. He was a very wealthy man. Sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes we've had plenty. We've had more than enough, and we hit a crisis of some sort financially, and man, we just we go downhill quick, and all of a sudden, we have nothing. Regardless of which direction it changes, it's easy to lose our focus on the things of God. When all of a sudden, I'm scrambling just to make sure I've got enough food for my family and pay my bills, and things are really tight, and I don't know where I'm what I'm going to be able to do next, it's easy for me to get bitter and frustrated and think to myself, really, God said he would provide and I can't barely put food on the table. It's easy to lose our perspective and lose our faith. It's also easy when we have a lot of wealth to do that. And probably a few of you are thinking, well, I wouldn't know, but I wouldn't mind trying that. I get it. But, but it's easy for wealthy people. That's why Paul warned them. When he wrote to Timothy, he said, warn people that are rich in this world, not to trust in their riches. It's very easy when you have money. It's, in fact, downright dangerous because we begin to trust in our wealth. We trust in what we've put away for our future. We trust in our finances, and we're not trusting in God. You can be wealthy and trust in God. You can be poor and trust in God. But when those things change, especially in dramatic ways, it's easy for us to lose our focus on the things of God. Sometimes our situation changes because of relationships. In, in this account, we're told of a variety of people who are dying around Jacob. In verse 8, it's Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. That's his mom's nurse. Now, the reason that's significant is because she's been in the family since long before Jacob was born. She came from Paden Aram with uh, 
Jacob, when he, with uh, Isaac, she was brought back. Remember the servant went, I, or Abraham sent the servant. He went to Paden Aram. He found uh, Rebekah. He brought her back. She came back and Isaac married her. And 20 years later, she had these twins. And for all of the years since then, and it's been a lot of years, it's been over a hundred years that have bypassed since she became part of that family. Now he comes back and this woman who probably had a lot to do with raising him, has died. His mother, or rather his wife, verse down to verse 16, then they journeyed from Bethel when they were still some distance from Ephrath. Rachel went into labor and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, do not fear, you have another son, as her soul was departing, for she was dying. She called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. That experience, when we read about those words, those verses, that experience stuck with Jacob for years till his dying day. If we were to take time to go over to chapter 48, he talks about the sorrow that he experienced she was his favored wife. She's the one that caught his eye from day one. He served for 14 years. Uh, he served for 14 years with Laban for the joy of marrying Rachel. And now she has died. His father was soon to die, the end of chapter 35. Isaac breathed his last. He lived 180 years. So people around him are dying. His relationships are changing. We need spiritual renewal because there's just a lot of stuff in life that just happens to us. We tend to, uh, to just drift away from our passionate commitment to the things of God. So how are we renewed? would be then the next question. We know we need it. I don't suspect anybody would say, no, I'm good, I'm fine. Uh, I, I feel like I need spiritual renewal on a regular basis. In fact, that's one of the reasons I come to church every Sunday, besides the fact that i got to preach most weeks. But um, it's important for us to be here because it helps to renew us spiritually. But I think there are seasons of renewal that has to have to happen. How are we renewed? First thing is we listen to God. Back to verse 1, God said to Jacob, had he not been listening, he may have missed this opportunity. The whole situation is about that. Verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again. Now this is after he's gotten rid of the idols and all of that stuff. He appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paden Aram and blessed him. And God said, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I'm God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. Kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he'd spoken with him. All this, God has spoken to him. Now I know, I get it, that... Uh, Jacob has been hearing God talk to him. But every time you open the Bible, you hear God talk to you. 
We are renewed by listening to God. Sometimes, Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's just necessary for us to just stop, be still, and listen. I think I've said before, maybe more than once, (laughs) I don't know, uh, I read a quote from Chuck Swindoll one time that said, human beings are the only creatures on the planet that run faster when they get lost. Every other creature stops and figures out where they are and then goes. We just get running and you know, at least we're making good time, so we keep on trucking. Sometimes it's important to just stop. Just stop and listen. Spend time in the scriptures. Spend time with godly people who can speak into your life. Listen. Secondly, clean house. He said to them, you've got to get rid of these idols. You've got to get rid of the things that are going to distract you from your wholehearted devotion and attention to God. I would suggest to you that whatever your mind defaults to when you're just kind of sitting, hanging out, not really thinking about anything on purpose, that's what your idol is. Whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind is probably an idol to you. We're to remove the hindrances, the things that are going to keep us from uh, being able to make progress in our walk with God. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about that. It says we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily weighs us down, which, which so easily besets us. People in track and field events wear very light clothing, even down to their shoes. The shoes they wear are super lightweight because they want to make sure that everything that could possibly be a hindrance to them running is removed so that there's nothing that will slow them down. An idol is something that you focus your attention on and that you want more of all the time. I'm uh, in a in a discipleship group with several other guys from the church. We actually meet here early on Sunday mornings, and uh, we're going through a book right now that talked about that. Uh, just, just today we were reading about it. Uh, in words written by a man who makes no connection, no profession of faith in Christ, who said, if your worship is not of something transcendent, it will always be insatiable, and it will always cause trouble. It will always end up disappointing you. If you worship money, you'll never have enough. You'll always need more. If you worship body image or sexuality, there will always be insufficiencies as you look at it. It'll never be enough. If you uh, worship friendships or relationships or you worship your work, you'll never be satisfied that you've done enough or gotten far enough ahead. If you worship God, You'll never be satisfied that you have had enough progress in your walk with God. Which is the one that do you think is the one God would prefer you to have as a focus of worship? We've got to get rid of the idols. For some of us, we carry our idol in our back pocket. For some of us, we have things in our life that uh, we, we want to 
we want to turn to for comfort. And it may not be God. It may, be, it may come in a bottle. Uh, it may be in your bank account. The thing I turn to, man, I'm, huh, I can rest easy because here's my bank account. Here are my investments for my future. I can, I can rest now. You can't rest because of your money. You can only truly rest because you rest in Christ. We got to get rid of our idols. Pleasure, leisure activities, money, power. If you worship power, you always feel impotent. You always feel like, oh, I just got to get a little more. So we got we to gotta remove the hindrances. Secondly, we've got to purify ourselves. It's what they did. It's what he said to them. Verse 2, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. Well, there were some rituals involved in that for uh, the people at that time, but the point is we need to purify ourselves. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, talk about that very process of purity. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts you double-minded. Double-mindedness means I don't have a single focus. I've got my, my attention and my heart going to too many different things. Purify yourself. Change your clothes. I don't mean you got to dress prettier. I mean what Paul talked about in Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, which I'm pretty sure are on the screen. Maybe not. Yep, okay. Do not lie to one another, seeing you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We put off, we put on. We change our clothes, so to speak, spiritually. We put off the things that are a hindrance to us. We put off the things that are, that are hurtful to other people and not helpful in their development and their walk with God. We put on the things that are, that are renewed and look more and more like Jesus. So we listen to God, we clean house. The third thing that Jacob did that we need to do is worship wholeheartedly. Verse 7, he came to Bethel and there... He built an altar, an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he'd fled from his brother. brother. Down to verse 14, Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him. A pillar of stone, he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. That all seems kind of weird to us, right? I mean, he, he made this altar and he... Uh, would have been able to make sacrifices on this altar, and he put up this pillar, and he poured out this drink offering. These are things that they don't really uh, compute very well to us because we don't do those kind of things. But let me just at least say this much. A drink offering was generally something that had to do with thanksgiving to God for forgiveness and for his graciousness and and. Also, it was completely used up when you offered it. it by, by nature, a drink offering was something you poured out. And so it was completely 
used up. Oil was indicative of consecration and was used generally in conjunction with separating someone out to say, this is, I'm, I'm dedicating this person or I'm being dedicated to this particular task. What is my point? I would suggest Romans 12.1 has a lot to do with this uh, concept. We are to offer ourselves, I appeal to you brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We don't have an actual sacrificial system. We don't use the pouring out of oil or water or whatever the drink offering would be. We don't go through rituals like that to demonstrate our commitment to God. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, it's interesting to me. Uh, you, you offer a sacrifice. You sacrifice an animal in the Old Testament. You sacrifice an animal. That one's done. They don't get up and crawl off, and then you come back and do that again later. They're done. When you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, it never is done being offered, right? The sacrifice is over when the sacrifice is dead. So I offer myself as a living sacrifice, ongoing, over and over again. I will, for the remainder of my uh, mortal life, give myself to serve God. That's why, and I'll, let me kind of unceremoniously jump to the thoughts to take home, that's why the gospel still matters. We don't offer sacrifices because Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice one time for all men. So the gospel still matters to me because it's an ongoing transformative process in my life. I keep coming back to the gospel, to the reality of the gospel, the truth about who God is and who Jesus said he was and, and what he is working to accomplish in my life. That's all an ongoing thing. The gospel isn't something that happened the day I got saved. For me, that would have been a long time ago. But it continues its transformative work in my life to this day. We need to constantly remember the reality of the gospel, how that Jesus changes and transforms lives. He gave his life as a sacrifice for me so I wouldn't have to die. I would suggest you think about the common means of grace. One of the reasons we so easily drift is because we don't take advantage of what we call the common means of grace. What are they? They are things like reading the Bible, spending time in the scriptures, daily, all the time. You don't have to read a whole book at once necessarily. Maybe there will come a time that's what you'll want or need to do in your walk with God. But something, you need to spend time in the scriptures every day. It's God's word to us. If I'm not going to be in the Bible, I can't listen to God. People say to me sometimes, I just feel like God's so silent in my life. I want to say, show me your Bible. How, how well used does it look? We can't complain that God's not trying to talk to us if we're not in the scriptures. It's where God speaks to us. Prayer. We never spend sufficient time in prayer. 
There is no such thing as quality time in prayer, any more than there's any such thing as quality time with your kids. You just need to spend time with your kids. Would, would you get away with it if you said to your spouse, you know, I really think we're, we're spending too much time in general together. Let's work on quality time. I'm going to go fishing most of the time, but we'll spend some quality time together after I've been gone for two days fishing. I don't know. That just would be me. Sorry. Um, no, and it's not that way with God. Talk to your heavenly Father. We need to pray. People say, well, I don't know how to pray. That's one of those things you learn to do as you do it. You just become accustomed to talking to God. Corporate worship is really important. I read a thing just a few months back, and it still bothers me to this day. It was a Barna survey that said, nowadays, it is considered regular church attendance to attend church once or twice a month. Sorry, I disagree. That's occasional church attendance. So I've stopped using regular church attendance. If by regular people here once or twice a month, then I want to tell you, you need to be faithful to attending corporate worship. God has given it as one of the common means of grace. We come together. We hear the word of God taught to us. We worship together through music and hear the gospel sung to us and sing it to each other. We, we together come and we give together. We Corporate worship's really important. It's not just something to do for an hour on Sunday morning. Community. I know, here I go, talking about small groups again. Listen, you need to be involved with people in a smaller setting where you can interact with each other, where you can uh, get into each other's lives and help talk about how is this going to intersect with my life this week. service for the Lord. You've got to find a way to serve the Lord. It's how you get your spiritual exercise. Otherwise, you're just taking it in. Common means of grace. So I guess I would leave you with a question. Are you ready to get back to basics? Are you ready to get back to the stuff where it's really significant and important? Is that, is that what you're willing to say to God today? Lord, I'm, I'm coming back to my Bethel. I'm coming back to the, to the place in my spirit, in my heart where I first met you. It's, it's desperately important. We have to continually come back for spiritual refreshment. We need spiritual renewal. We have to get back to basics. Oh, I hope as we we're going to sing here in just a little bit. In fact, the worship team can work their way back up here. But uh, I hope that as we sing, you will remember the significance of the event that happened when you trusted in Christ. I mean, I was a child, but I remember as a young boy how passionate I was about the things of God, how much I wanted my my other friends, my five and six-year-old friends to know about Jesus. I remember all of that stuff and what it was like. And, and we just kind of lose our first love, right? Like the church at Ephesus did. If that's happened to you, man, use today as a chance to say, I'm, I'm coming back, Lord. I'm back to basics. I'm back to my Bethel. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted in Christ. You've never made your relationship with God right through Jesus. That's, that's the heart of the gospel. Jesus came 
And we'll be celebrating the resurrection of Christ, and we sang that amazing song about it this morning, but we'll be, we'll be doing that in just a few weeks. But he came and died on the cross and paid the penalty for sin so that you might have a right relationship to God through Christ. If you will trust in Jesus as your only hope of salvation, God will save you from your sin. He'll make you right with him. Uh, if that's never happened to you, man, I'd love to talk to you about it in between this service and the next. We've got plenty of time. Uh, I'd love to catch up with you. Just catch me after the service. Write it on the Connect card. There's a spot there you can check off. I'm interested in talking about a relationship with Christ. Drop it in the basket. Uh, we'll take care of it. We'll help you figure it out, okay? Let's pray. Father, thanks for, thanks for the scriptures. Thanks for Sometimes a simple challenge, Lord, that reminds us of the significance of walking with you. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, give us repentance from the idols, from the things that have our attention that shouldn't. Not because those things are of no value whatever. Uh, in some cases, they are important. But Lord, we've sometimes let important things take over the central thing, and that is our worship of you. And I pray that you would grant us repentance today, even as we sing this last song that you would move in our heart and cause us to uh, come back to the gospel and the centrality of it in our lives as we seek to walk with you.